Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. First, I think we started this August 2015. By December, we had uh, around 15 units under management. After that, every single year, we started uh, doubling in size. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate it. I have a really good show for you today. A great interview with a really cool investor. His name is Nico Ortega. He's the CEO and founder of Nuovo, a Miami-based tech-enabled short-term rental management company. Essentially, what he's doing is he is partnering with uh, multifamily investors, people who own multifamily properties, and he is showing them how they can get above market rates consistently without ever dealing with tenants or any of the hassles associated with being a uh, multifamily owner and, and having renters, he can get you above market rental rates and you never have to do a thing. It's truly hands-off. He comes in there with a short-term rental model and applies it to your 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 building and, uh, and he helps you get consistent revenue without all the hassles. And it was a really cool concept that I never heard before. So if that's interesting to you, stay tuned because I got a good one for you. I give you Nico Ortega. Hey, Nico, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being part of Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate your time. Mike, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, man, absolutely. So let's let's dive into it. First of all, uh, let's just give people a sense of who we're talking to and what your background looks like. Um, can you tell us where you got started and how you got into this whole real estate game to begin with? Yeah, so um, got into real estate right after I graduated college. Um, after I graduated college in Boston, I started working with my brother back home in Ecuador. Um, he was in, in real estate. I needed some help with... Uh, commercial real estate project, particularly a shopping mall. Um, so that's how I got started. He called me up. He told me, hey, Nico, I need some help with this. Give me a hand. Uh, and we started working together. Uh, two or three years later, uh, we sold that project uh, to some uh, Colombian investor group. And after that, we uh, we said, you know what? Let's go find some luck in, in Miami. Let's see how things uh, go over there. And we decided to partner up again because those two or three years, we we really found that we connected, we connected well, and we complemented each other well. Did you guys get along as kids? Well, that's a difficult question because um, we really didn't spend that much time together as kids. He's eight years older than me. Oh, okay. okay. And and when we were so when I was in in school, he was in high school here in Miami. That's oh, why we okay. decided to Miami because we had family and friends over here. Gotcha. Um, so as far as I remember, like I really didn't spend that much time with him in sort of the teenage years or yeah. stuff like that. That's cool. So you guys got a chance to connect as adults and, and realize that you work well together and get along. That's good. Yeah, hundred percent. I would say that in my, in my college years and his um, sort of adult life, that's when we started connecting more and started becoming closer um, because we really didn't never lived in the same in the same place uh, anytime. 
Okay. So, so yeah, that was uh, that was kind of it. But uh, we found each other. Uh, that we complemented each other well. Uh, he's a very easygoing personality. I'm more of a stronger personality, but ultimately that worked well. Yeah. And I think in a sense, it also helped me a lot. The fact that I had done one of my summer internships with him. Um, so I already knew how he worked, uh, how he did things, uh, sort of his personality, his uh, vision of, uh, of things in the business. Uh, so uh, I, I think that set a good, uh, a good ground floor for, yeah. for our relationship. So tell me, after you did your commercial property together and then you decided to come to Miami and see what you could make happen, what, what happened next? What was the next step? Well, obviously, uh, the first thing that we did was started looking for things we could do in the in the real estate business, right? Um, I started looking looking for jobs. Um, he was trying to do his own thing. Uh, things weren't going as fast or as quickly as I expected them to to go. To be honest, yeah. So we started, you know, looking at what what was moving, what was going on. And we started seeing in the, in the tech industry, Airbnb at the time, this was uh, early 2015, Airbnb was in sort of explosion mode in a, in a sense. It was every day was growing every day. You would see more and more and more people uh, list properties on Airbnb and it was constantly in the news and so forth. And in a market like Miami, where you have a lot of uh, Latin American people traveling, European, European people traveling with big families and big groups, um, a, a product such as that works. So um, we talked and we said like, while I was looking for a job or for something that could allow me to, to grow, why don't we rent a unit, furnish it, and then rent it out via, via Airbnb. When we went to our first property, um, the owner actually told us, I'm not going to rent you out one single unit. You, you need to rent out at least five. So that's when things started getting a lot, uh, a lot more serious. Um, we went to my other brother, who's twelve years older than me, and told him, "Hey, um, we want to do this, but we need some funding." <laughs> yeah. So um, he funded us that uh, those initial five units. Uh, we started operating them. We quickly started seeing a great uh, product market fit. We started seeing people like what we do, uh, like the properties that we chose, uh, how we chose them, and so forth. Um, and it started to grow, 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 grow. First, I think we started this August 2015. By December, we had a, around 15 units under management. And after that, every single year, we started uh, doubling in size. Uh, 15, 30, 60, 120. Wow. Um, yeah. And these are all arbitrage. Am I right about that? Or are you buying... You're not buying the apartment building. You're just renting out the units. No, we're not buying. We are renting out. And we, ha we had a... Um, so the strategy has kind of changed to now. But how we started, it was... a hundred percent rental arbitrage. Okay. It went into multifamily property owners and we rented, you know, at the beginning it was only five, but after that we had a minimum of 10 units per property. Um, and we negotiated uh, super favorable terms. It really, we, we would even get discounts on rent, uh, almost no security deposits because they had the security that with us, we would pay them on time every single month um, for, a, for a good chunk of units. And they didn't have to do any sort of uh, collecting or trying or trying to go after for payments. Okay, and I know your your focus has changed a little bit, but I still want to dig a little deeper into this because I'm interested. Of course. Um, did you? I, I assume, and maybe I'm wrong about this assumption, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I assumed I assume sometimes when you go into these rental units to rent, they're not in 
100% tip-top shape. Did you do any work to them? Did you negotiate that the owner would freshen them up, paint them, add some better counters or anything like that? No, um, no. Our, our focus at the beginning uh, was a primarily class A multifamily. So we only focused on downtown locations uh, and multifamily, class A multifamily. These are properties that were in tip-top shape okay. uh, that okay. uh, provide us with any and all type of um, you know maintenance issues with ovens, refrigerators, any type of appliance issues. Uh, and we would go after like really good properties. So we had the... Okay. Um, both my brother and I married young and we have, uh, he has four kids. I have two, but we had this, uh, sort of, a filter for choosing the properties. It's like, uh, we want to choose properties where we can send our mother-in-law to stay in. Okay. Right? So yeah, they needed to be like good, nice properties. Yeah. Got it now. Okay. So again, I know you've, you've changed, but I want to focus here just for a minute. Okay. Uh, when you did this. If you could, if you could rewind time and go back and do it all over again, would you still go for Class A rental units in a downtown area? Is that would that be the the smart play if somebody was thinking they wanted to do that now? So that's okay. So there's two answers to that question. The first thing is if I would if I would be put back in 2015 and I had the option to do this again, I would probably do it the exact same way. Go after class A multifamily. Okay. If you put me in today with the decision that I have to make, which is why that is, uh, something's changed, um, that's not what I would do today. What? Why? So, what's what's changed? So I think that between 2015 and today, there's a lot of new entrants that have come into the into the market. If you think about it. Um, and big, big companies like VC-backed companies that are, you know started out with five million dollars in the bank account at a pre-seed or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, back in 2015, when we started, the only other company that was doing it at scale was the company called Stay Alfred that went under went under during COVID, um, based out of Spokane in, in your, near 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 Seattle. Um, then after that came the Saunders. Saunders, I think, was Saunders, I think, was 2016 or 2017. Then came Lyric, Domio, Guild, Minthouse, and all and all of these companies. Okay. And so why wouldn't I do it now? Because there's a lot of competition going after the exact same properties. Okay. Um, the product in itself is really not that different. Everybody has a slightly different approach. But if you look at it, it's an apartment. It's furnished, uh, and that's a difference versus a versus yeah. a hotel. Somehow. Right. Some target business customers, some have like the design factor, some go for a more affordable approach, others, you know, but really the actual product that they're selling is the exact same thing. And we would we would find ourselves competing for a property where, you know, for a cell phone, I would say, I'm going to pay you $10 and then Sonder would come in or another company would come in and say, I'll pay you $15 for this. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's where, where we found ourselves a lot. We okay. managed to continuously grow um, despite the fact that some others were offering more, more money and had bigger, bigger wallets than us. Uh, I think in part because we had a very personalized approach. Mm-hmm. Like I would personally, uh, I personally love that part of the business, just growing and underwriting the property. So I would personally go to the owners, to regional managers, to the asset managers uh, and so forth. And it would be me sort of pitching our property and doing this. So I think that that was a huge factor for uh, for our growth, even though at, a lot of times people told me, I chose you over you 
because with one of these companies, you know, I'm talking to um, probably mid-management person, somebody like that, nothing that it's not capable or anything, but with you, I feel more comfortable because I know that I have your cell phone yeah. and I know where to reach you in case something, um, something goes wrong, which in the hospitality industry, it's, it happens a lot. Sure. Can you give me at a high level, because you know there are people out there who are trying to do Airbnbs and they're doing single family stuff and things like that. When you evaluated a property, and I know there's probably a lot and we could have a whole you know hour long discussion, but let's, let's try to condense it and boil it down to the highlights. How did you underwrite uh, an apartment building or one of these places when you were deciding whether or not you wanted to get five or 10 or more units? What were the main determining criteria for you? So we looked at a variety at a variety of factors. Um, I think the most important ones uh, was um, the management team and the ownership. Um, that's crucial um, because we had experiences where, you know, you didn't have an owner that understood the business a hundred percent, or a property manager that was sort of skeptical, and that's that's very difficult uh, to to sustain in the in the long run a good relationship mm-hmm. with that. Because if they don't understand what we're doing, then they're going to be able to, uh, they, they won't be able to understand when things come up and we need to make a quick uh, a quick decisions in order to solve them. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing relating to that is the fact that, you know, they need to understand also that if they understand the business, they understand that we're making money. But if you have an ownership that is just trying to push your rents up, 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 up in the lease arbitrage uh, industry, eventually you're going to run out of a... You're gonna run out of uh, out of a margin. Yeah. Right. So yep. you you need to be able uh, to find an owner that understands that in the lease arbitrage industry, it's more about the consistency, safety. Uh, uh, in the lease arbitrage space, more about the consistency and safety of having one renter that is gonna rent, you know, 10, 20, 15, 25 apartments, and it's gonna pay consistently every single month mm-hmm. uh, during the duration of their contract. Okay. Um, second is. Um, which ties back to it is uh, the quality of the property. Um, if you see a property that's uh, damaged, that is not being well taken care of, that property management is being um, super uh, like lenient uh, with with the management and upkeep of the property, no, that's gonna come back and bite you in, in the behind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the property needs to be in tip top shape. It needs to be well taken care of. That doesn't mean that it needs to be extra luxurious. It just needs to be well taken care of. Right. Um, again, and this is all talking about experience. First, at first properties, we we really didn't take all of these factors into consideration, right? Yeah. These are things that we started learning in, in on the way. But I mean, just as an example, we had uh, a property where we were just in there for, I believe, eight or nine months. We didn't recover our investment, uh, our initial investment in the furniture, even just because um, uh, we had we had to leave the property. It, it was we were losing we were losing money on, on the daily there because the properties were all shut down the we had a plumbing issue that the i don't know i don't even want to go into describing <laughs> but just plumbing issues imagine that okay <laughs> so you. it was it was rough all right. and then the other factor which is important is competition um and not just competition focusing on other short term rental <laughs> a, a properties like other apartments a, and so forth but just a global view of competition. Yeah. Hotels have a strong influence on on this market, um, even motels, and then the the regular uh, the regular or individual Airbnb host 
that influences you you as well. So um, having a good grasp on that, uh, analyzing and uh, sort of not having all of our eggs in one basket when it comes to distribution channels uh, was yeah. key for us. So being able to, to, to multiply list. And then ultimately, I think the last one, which is super important, which we learned the hard way as well, is zoning. Um, yeah, that's that's huge. Sure, and at the beginning, it was tough because rules were not very clear back in 2015 yeah. on where you could do short-term rental and so forth. Um, so that was tough. Uh, but just right now, I think it's extra clear wherever you go, if you can or you cannot do it, what restrictions you have, how you can do it and where you can do it and so forth. So before you try to do this... Uh, at scale or in an individual property, just make sure that that zoning is correct and that you are allowed to do it because in, in a business where you need to be able to be visible, it's impossible to fly under the radar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it, let me ask you that to that end. And I have a couple of follow-up questions to all the other stuff you said, but real quick, since we're on the subject, if I'm, if I am a, uh, I'm going to buy an individual Airbnb, or maybe I want to buy a bunch of units in a, in a hotel or a, an apartment or whatever, what it's you said it's super clear what and and I'm asking this kind of on a personal level too because I'm starting to get into the space and I find it not not difficult is the wrong word but very time consuming is there are, are there places like are there central locations that that aggregate this information or is it just you have to go to the city website and sift through all of the stuff or is there is there an easy way not easy but is there an efficient way to do this I think the most efficient way to do this, I, I've been through through everything. I've browsed, I've found, I've been 100%, well, I've been 99.99% sure that I have everything figured out. And then you start operating and all of a sudden I get a letter from the city saying, you know what, you you missed this. And it was like a mini clause within section A, paragraph B of line <laughs> four. And yeah. you know, it, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, so uh, what we decided to do is we decided to, to get a lawyer that's uh, in, invest in a lawyer uh, who we had on retainer that just specifically does short-term rentals okay. um, and knows where to look, knows who to talk to, knows uh, knows what to do. It was a tough investment, but we have we had him as a as a as a fixed fee every single month. Okay. And just anytime we looked at a new property, looked at a new market where we were interested, where we started seeing trends, when we started looking, um, said, "Hey, tell me." where I can operate in this. And he would send us an area. Then we would go to the property level, say, hey, fund this property. What do you uh, what do you think? And we didn't move forward with the negotiation. We didn't sign any contracts until we got the, um, the check from him. So Okay, good. So, good to know. Uh, so there are lawyers who who focus on this and they can give you a hand. Even if they're not on retainer, I'm assuming you can you can do one-offs with them and then just pay for it or whatever. Um, of okay. course. So when you're okay, so one thing you didn't mention when I asked you about the underwriting, and I know it was part of it, I get it, right? But what kind of a, and I don't know if this is how you looked at it, but maybe you can just clarify how you actually looked at it. But without knowing, did you look for some kind of a multiple of the rent? Like if the rent's $2,000, did you say we've got to make at least, you know, we have to clear at least 2000 after, you know, after all expenses? Or how did you look at the finances of it? So, um, our properties uh, usually have as a benchmark between either 1.7x or 2x uh, the rent. We have markets where it's performed lower. We have markets where it's performed higher. There's also a seasonality. You're, talk- you're talking gross, right? So if you if the rent's gross. 2,000, you want to net somewhere between, uh, uh, or you want to get between like three, 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 uh, 3,500 and 4,000 in rents. 
Exactly. Or, or an income. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. In, in total income. And then after all the direct and indirect costs associated with the short-term rental operation, uh, we would clear between 20 and 30% of that. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So when you approached, and I, I, I swear I'm going to get to the what we're actually going to talk about, which is is your your company Nuovo and what they do exactly, because I think there's enough. Uh, there's definitely multifamily uh, owners out there who would be very intrigued by what you're doing, and so we're going to hit on hard. I have one more question though. When you approached the the multifamily owner, what were what were the strongest points that you wanted to drive home that would make the owner go from either I don't know what you're talking about this sounds this sounds sketchy or the owner who's like I don't want any part of that. So again, it's been it's been a it's been a ride, right? So yeah. at the beginning, when I would approach somebody, they would tell us, "What do you want to do? Like, right? What, what is this? They they didn't even know what Airbnb was." Yeah. It was prohibited in the lease, and I would say, "Yeah, we, we can sign an addendum." And they so they said, "No addendum, like alter the lease. No, that's impossible." Yeah, um, <laughs> things have evolved. Um, I think that um, since we had a very organic approach to uh, to our growth, it, it wasn't like you know, next month we were getting a hundred new properties and a thousand new units, and I was doing it all by myself. Um, I was focused on that. And then I had somebody else that helped me, that helped me in, in the underwriting, searching for new properties, for new markets and so forth. Um, but I was the main point of contact. So initially, when we would get like a strong, no, I don't want any part in that, uh, we would send like a follow-up email explaining the advantages of what this does and you know, security, consistency, a professional manager, um, the fact that there's strong communication that they will have somebody there from our team, just making sure that everything runs smoothly and so forth. And uh, at times we would manage to you know, reverse that decision or or not. But it, it was tough. Once we hit that initial uh, sort of wall, mm -hmm. it was very tough to reverse it and to remove that skepticism moving forward in 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 the contract. Um, whenever we knew we had a we ha we had a winner was when the person who we spoke to felt excited and felt that what do you, I love what you guys are doing. Let, let, let's dive deeper. And they were genuinely interested in our business model and how they could help uh, and how they could help or be a part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's when we recognized uh, the, the actual winners. And those were the properties that went on to perform the best. Why? Because we had a, an amazing relationship with the property that, that had a lot to do because um, we would get you know better placement in units. Uh, we would get um, better uh, concessions in rent, or, or or more benefits, or longer contracts, uh, and overall a better customer experience. You know, you would always get somebody from one of our guests that would go instead of uh, calling us or uh, reaching out to to our employees, going to the front desk and asking for extra towels yeah right you would always get that yeah and the face of the person that is uh, talking to you and saying you know it's a lot different saying no we don't do that here call whoever your host is and then turning turning around versus oh i'm sorry i can't help you you know what i call this guy he works for nuovo he'll take care of you don't worry about it this is his number do you have his number and so yeah. just being helpful yeah. you have no idea how that helped because it helped in reviews it helped in um it helped in the overall experience sure, and sure. it helped attracting more, more people to the, to the property. And yeah. that, believe it or not, that has a really, really, really strong influence 
on rates and on a on on average daily rates that we could that we could charge. That's amazing. Do you still have all those units, or have you guys gotten out of that? So we have around fifty units in Miami that we're currently managing under under arbitrage. Uh, Pre COVID, we had around two hundred and fifty units. Wow, in six U.S. markets. Yes. Okay. So when COVID hit, uh, we decided to scale down. We spoke with uh, most of our owners. We would say, "Hey, we need to we need to scale down." Uh, we didn't know what to expect. You know, we had experts saying that this was going to last for two weeks. Everybody was shut down for two weeks, and then yeah. everybody was gonna be yeah. back in back to normal. We had experts saying that it was going to last four years. Well, mm. long story short, we're about two years in, and it's far from over. We now have the new the new variant that's coming along. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we just we took the we took the decision. We said, okay, it, we really faced uh, sort of that moment of truth uh, type of uh, situation where at one point we were faced with the decision that you know we have two hundred and fifty units, six U.S. cities, over twenty five employees. Uh, if we try to remain this way with the lockdowns uh, all over the world, we're, we're not going to last more than two and a half, three months. Yeah. Or, or we scale down, we bunker down until sort of this blows over and, and we manage to get a grasp on it and try to survive with, with what we have. And that's what we did. It, we went almost all the way to skeleton mode. We managed about 10 units. Um, we sadly let go of a lot of people, um, but uh, but we managed to start recovering. Uh, right now, we have about fifty units, uh, mostly well, not mostly, one hundred percent in the in the South Florida market between Coral Gables and uh, and Miami Beach. Okay, uh, and right now we are preparing a a banger of a strategy for for twenty twenty two that I'm eager to tell you about whenever whenever you give me the chance. <laughs> it's something that is a that is different that the the other players in the market. You know, haven't right. seen and identified or are not. Or, I don't know if they haven't seen it, but they're not interested in it. Yeah, and, and I think it could be. Well, this it, is a perfect time. You just segue beautifully. What What is your banger of a strategy? Let's hear what you guys have going on twenty twenty two. So, like I told you, most of our strategy has been Class A multifamily, right? Um, these are huge properties, downtown areas, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so forth. And that's where all of the big players are are going. Um, as a matter of fact, we tried to sell a, one of our contracts in a property that's not Class A a, a couple of months back to one of these um, to one of these operators to a couple of these operators, and their answer was exactly the same that this did not fit their brand standards. So at the moment, I was like, okay, they're they're, they're shitting on my property or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't like that. But after that, I thought like, if they're doing this. Uh, let me shut this down. Um, if they're not going after, sorry about that. These if are all sales. Not, I'm assuming these are all sales. You're making some sort of money, and that's what's alerting you. I wish it's my <laughs> it's my kid that's sick in in, oh. in the house, and he's sending me text messages. Okay. <laughs> um. So. Okay. So where was I? Yeah. So we started noticing that they weren't focusing in, in this asset class. And we started looking at all of the players in the industry. And we did not find any players in the industry that were focusing on the class B asset class. Okay. Uh, once we identified that, we noticed there's a huge market for short-term rentals in class B. 
that is usually being uh, or that has historically been uh, uh, offered or serviced by individual hosts. Mm -hmm. And there's not a professional host at a at scale or a regional level or at a national level right. that is targeting these properties and uh, and is being able to generate or create that network effect. You have those operators, but but more like local operators. Yeah, and that's where we see that's where we see the opportunity because there is a huge market for properties in the you no know, high sixties to right below one hundred dollars per night level. Instead of the 120 to 180 uh, per night level, there's a huge market for that, uh, and uh, we've developed a whole strategy to start growing that uh, right here in South um, in South Florida, starting Q1 2022. Um, we paused all growth uh, for Q4, so we haven't grown a single unit in Q4 against my wishes because this is uh, what I like to do. This is what I love to do. I love to talk to new owners, love to offer them uh, what we can do. Um, but we felt we were uh, we we felt very strongly about the strategy, and, and we just didn't want to roll it out uh, like that. But we really wanted to think it through, do it well, and it starts to roll out uh, January seventh of next year. So and this, the idea is, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but so this this concept, this class B, and I'm just I was doing some quick math while you were talking. Let me ask you a quick qualifying question, real quick. What do you assume for occupancy for each unit? Like, what percentage of the time do you expect it to be occupied? What What do you base your numbers on? I guess. So our occupancy is usually around eighty to eighty five percent, depending on depending on the season, and okay. and 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 how we manage to do that. We developed our own revenue management system. That when we started managing, I think it was when we were around the third market and around five sub markets within those three markets, you know, our meetings for, you know, setting rates and managing and doing the revenue management with, which is a crucial part of this, uh, you know, where, where eternal, we started at seven in the morning and wouldn't finish until nine at night. Uh, just because we usually set, you know, 90 days in advance rates, we would change them two, three days, uh, two, three times per week. Mm -hmm. And looking at, you know, imagine, I think at, at some point in time we had uh, we had six U.S. cities, eleven sub markets. Those meetings will be never ending, and yeah. Yeah. we decided to create our own system. Uh, well, first we decided to find some external consulting to help us out with this. Um, we continued to outperform the consultants we brought in. We brought people from the hotel industry. We brought people from the traditional vacation rental industry, um, and really nobody could uh, outperform what we were doing. Uh, then we started looking for you know, already built software. Neither me or my brother come from a computer science or coding background mm -hmm. or real estate guys. Uh, so we said, if we don't need to build something, like, let's just find it out there, right? Um, and that's when we started looking for different software uh, and we always ran it parallel to what we were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, none of the software that we started uh, using came even close to perform the way we were performing. The one that performed the best performed 15, I think it was 15 or 17% under what we were, what we were performing. Okay. So it started becoming an issue because that was not sustainable for, for the growth uh, that we were having. Yeah. Uh, and it started being detrimental to the growth that we were having because the last property that we saw in the day was the property where we would spend literally, you know, 
20 seconds, right? It wasn't yeah. like we were completely burnt out. Yeah. That we didn't have the head or the creativity or the um, anything to, to be able to, to do it efficiently. So at the time, my brother was doing an MBA and he was uh, doing a, a STEM a STEM concentration. And he was doing a data, data analytics and machine learning class. Okay. We're like, you know what? Present that in class. Present this issue to the class and see what we can do. Long story short, the professor fell in love with the with the idea or the problem in mm-hmm. itself and became a project uh, he he started working for us uh, in the company and uh, and we built a revenue management a revenue management system based on that so that revenue management system takes into account everything it just does take into account reviews a uh, competition how many people are coming into the city at a certain point in time uh, what our budget is what our sales base is um what else? Uh, basically, every internal and external factor you can think of, it just factors it in into the into the algorithm and it comes up with a with a recommended rate. So let me ask you this: how how does it compare, or how relatable is it to like Price Labs, which is what like individual users like myself, I hear people say Price Labs will help you and it'll automatically adjust your prices for you. Like I know that's your your software does more and it's better, but is it is that not, in the same vein as what you're talking about? Yeah, it would be sort of a, a price lapse. We tried price price lapse. We tried a uh, wheelhouse. We tried beyond pricing. We tried all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately, if you are an individual owner, uh, for one, two, three, four, five units, it works. Um, it, these systems out there. Um, same with property management systems. You find uh, a, a Guesty, a Sotilia. Um, my VR, you know, they all work, but they all work until a certain point, okay. right? In, in in our history with channel managers, it's funny. It's literally been from zero to ten, one channel man or one property management system. From ten to twenty-five, another one. From twenty-five to fifty, another one. They start becoming obsolete as you continue to grow. Okay. Um, so, like I said, at an individual level or for a small portfolio these systems work. The key difference that we found was that there were sort of these non-tangible things um, that our system could identify by pulling all of our information that these other systems weren't pulling. Okay. Right. So um, they're more plug and play mm-hmm. uh, in a sense, and they lack that customization, which I understand if you're going to roll it out uh, to the masses, if it's a software play, if it's a SaaS play, you can't have that level of customization like the one that we, uh, that we have with our system. So um, I think that's what, what what gave us the edge. So you guys are doing revenue management. Is it also, are you guys also in the actual management of these, uh, of, of these units, are you actually involved in that too? You're you're handling the customer management side of it. Yeah, we do everything. Okay. Uh, well, let me ask they, you this: in light of what you said, listen, one to ten, a certain management or a certain level of software works, and ten to twenty. Where do you guys fit in? Like, wh- who are you ideal for? As far as the the property owner, yeah, yeah. What, what let's talk about who you're actually who your your market is for, or who, so, who is your market? My ideal property is a 25 uh, right now. My ideal property is a 25 unit property where I could take 100% uh, 
of the properties, studios, one bedroom apartments, you know, no pools, no front desk, uh, not anything uh, like that. In unit laundry, washer and dryer with a small kitchen or kitchenette uh, and neither a separate bedroom or, or a studio type uh, property gotcha. where gotcha. we can come in and those units are currently rented uh, at about, I want to say 1200, 1500 bucks a month. We can come in and we can, and we can generate, I want to say, around 15 to 1800 bucks a month for, for that particular owner. Okay. Got you. So, so you are not necessarily, and I know you guys are, are taking, it sounds like you're taking down class B stuff yourself, but you, you are also making the software available to other people, right? Who have, who have these units that they want managed. No, 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 no. We oh, do it's not. all you then. You're, you're taking, okay. I got you. I got you. So system, we've thought about it, but uh, at this point in time, it, uh, we're not ready to roll it out sort of like as a SaaS yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. The system is used exclusively for, for us and for the properties that we manage. Okay, perfect. So you were mentioning like a $1,500, $1,800 $1, rents, but I just running quick math. If you are if you have a, a property where you're getting $70 a night and you're 80% occupied, that's around sixteen dollars to $1,700 a month. So is this like a total scale play? Like you're not probably making as much per unit as you were downtown in class A, obviously, right? And nobody would expect you to. So is this more of like, hey, we're, we're not going to necessarily make one and a half to two times rent, uh, but but there's such a need and there's so little competition that we can just get just an obscene amount of these and over the scale will be will be great. Is that is that accurate or am I wrong? So um it is a volume play. Mm-hmm. Um, the margins uh, are less for uh, than the than the class A multifamily. Mm-hmm. If you were to do it on a lease arbitrage, yes. Uh, but this business in particular, we're not focusing on a lease arbitrage. We're focusing on management agreements. Okay. So revenue share. So we take a percentage of the top, and then the rest is for the owner. Gotcha. Okay, I see. I see. Okay. 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 Um, that, it, that makes sense. Sort of, it would be sort of a property management traditional property management uh play but uh, with short-term rentals gotcha okay awesome so if i own a 25 unit apartment building with no front desk in 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 unit laundry everything that you said and i'm charging twelve hundred dollars a month per unit let's just say they're all the same Mm-hmm. What what is your what is your high level pitch to me? What is your in a nutshell? What is your pitch to me as as that property owner? So high level, if you put it into our program and do it as short term rentals, first of all, you don't have to worry about a thing because we'll take care of everything, everything from managing the customers, managing the units, taking payment, everything. You just receive a check in your bank account every single month, sort of like a passive income opportunity, and you'll be generating between twenty to thirty percent more than uh, you were generating before uh, with us through the short-term rentals. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And so if I'm charging $1,200 right now, that's what my rents are. You're saying I'm going to, maybe it's going to be 1400 that I could get per unit using Correct. you. Okay. Gotcha. Correct. And you don't have to worry about any of the operations. Right. So before you were making 1200 and you know, possibly that owner, the owner that owns you know, multifamily, 25 unit is an independent owner. It's not mm-hmm. like a huge sure. uh, or anything like that, right? They they have their own management team and they have to take care of everything. Issues that come up, payments that not not are being that are not being paid on time and stuff like that, right? Yeah. With this, you don't have to worry about a thing. 
So if someone's listening to this in some town somewhere in the U.S. and they're like, this is awesome. I really want Nico and his team to take over my 25-unit apartment building. What would make them qualify or maybe the other way of looking at it? What would disqualify them? So uh, that's a tough question because every unit yeah. is uh, every unit every every property is different every market is different and uh, let's go from a from a market to market look Let, forget the units and forget the thing but like let's just say they're in some you know small town in Iowa like are you like nope don't want it because we're only looking on the coasts or like so, yeah so so initially I would say. Like a small town in Iowa, honestly, it's nowhere near our radar right now. Okay, uh, but uh, we we have a we have a geographic expansion strategy that is very similar to what we did when we just started. So let me possibly sure rewind a little bit and go back and 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 tell you how we did it. So when we started, we started growing in one property, and then once we had around fifteen units in that property, we said, okay, what happens if tomorrow the owner of this property wants to tear down the building. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can be 100% dependent on him. Our business cannot depend on him. So let's look for another property in the same in the same area. We look for another property. We grew, we had two properties in the Brickell area of Miami. Next thing we know, it's like, okay, Miami, hurricanes, Brickell, floods, stuff like that. Let's get out of Brickell. Let's look more inland. So we started going to the Kendall area, to the Doral area, near the airport and so forth. And we started expanding within Miami. Once we felt comfortable managing Miami, we said, okay, let's expand a little further and let's not depend on Miami because Miami is very seasonal. Again, mm-hmm. it's like January, February, March, like super mega high season. And then the summer is, is really tough. Um, let's go a little bit North. Uh, let's see if we can manage units, you know, not within the same city, but a little bit farther. We went to Fort Lauderdale. We did a small trial there for around three or four months. It worked. And we said, okay, let's go to Orlando who has a very steady market and we can grow there perfectly. We went to Orlando. We managed them well. It's like, okay, let's go a little bit further. We went into Atlanta and then let's go a little bit further. Let's go to Philadelphia. And then we did Houston and then we felt hundred percent comfortable. We went all the way to Portland, Oregon, which is oh. literally that's, that's very far. Uh, that's very yeah. far. And it was one of our best markets. Um, so our expansion strategy right now, especially with COVID is, conservative in the geographic expansion time. Uh, we're lucky that we're in South Florida, which is probably one of the most open and less COVID um, yeah. restricted markets uh, in the States. Uh, so initially we want to continue growing here and start spending slowly, 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 slowly as we continue, gotcha. uh, as we continue to grow. So if you ask me, Iowa, is it in my radar? Nowhere near my radar, but again, I am a firm believer that nothing is written in stone and that opportunities come when you less expect them to. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes to me and tells me I have 25 units in Iowa, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to show them the door. I'm going to say, no, it's not in my radar, but let's look at it. And if the opportunity works, if everything fits, then why not? Right. Um, That's smart. So, I just had a curiosity on a personal level. How was the Orlando market for short-term rentals? Are they friendly to that? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing market. Think uh, think about it this way. I was super scared to go into the Orlando market at the beginning. I thought, you know, hundreds of millions of hotels, um, a lot of people doing traditional vacation rentals in homes, Mm -hmm. 
so much competition. What am I going to bring to the table and so forth? But it's such a big, 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 big market. And there's so much space for it uh, that our units did amazingly well. Uh, There's again, there is this niche where people are not looking for the hotel, are looking for the vacation rental type experience, but do want that trust or safety component associated with booking with a a corporation or a business or something established rather than booking with Nicholas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, So we targeted that niche. Uh, We did good products uh, focused mostly. We still focused on apartments, but bigger apartments, Hmm. uh, two or three bedroom apartments because of family Family. and groups. Um, and, and, and it went well. Um, it's, it's such a health, a healthy market in the sense that you always have people coming in, um, no seasonality whatsoever. Like it was a straight line all the <laughs> yeah. time. You yeah. didn't have any fluctuations and we were accustomed to Miami, which if you see the seasonal seasonality <laughs> levels, it looks like a Bitcoin graph, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it was really, really good. We even expanded not only within the parks area. Uh, we went all the way to Kissimmee and then uh, the parks area right near Universal Studios and near near Disney World. And we even uh, added units in downtown Orlando, which hmm. was a great, great market as well. Okay. Good to know. Well, listen, if there are people listening, and I, I think this is an amazing concept. I've never heard of anyone doing what you're doing. It is actually pretty pretty new and interesting. And I think my listeners will agree. And there's a lot of apartment owners out there that in, in various cities, right? If somebody were to want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Who should do that? Like, Talk a little bit about what, what that looks like. Yeah. So if you are an apartment owner, uh, 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 you have a portfolio of units between... I want to say 10 to 50 units, a class B, that's our sweet spot. That's what we like. If you have anything different from that, again, like I just mentioned, we're not going to shy away from any opportunity. We're going to look at every opportunity and we're going to try to help in whatever way we can, if it fits, if it fits what we're looking for. Um, just reach out my information. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me. Our website is www.staynuovo.com. And there's a partner with us section there. Um, the website is being redone actually, and it's, or we're launching the new one uh, next year okay. well, in, in a month. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but best way to reach me through LinkedIn via email, my email is Nico N I C O at staynuovo.com. Uh, you can reach me through there. Um, and yeah, if you're looking for that, you're looking to boost uh, your property's income and take advantage of the travel market that's rebounding right now. Uh, yeah. Please, uh, Give me a shout out awesome. and feel free to visit. Um, we have an equity crowdfunding campaign as well. So if you're not interested in participating in Nuovo uh, as a property owner, uh, you can be a part of the ownership team. Uh, we have an equity crowdfunding campaign uh, going on in the platform Republic. So you can visit www.republic.co slash Nuovo. And you can take a look at our offering, um, our growth thus far, what we've done, uh, so forth. All of the offering documents are there, uploaded. There's an introductory video as well on us explaining the model and, and what we're doing. Nice. Uh, you can check that out as well and write through there and invest if you want to be a part of it. Love it, man. Anything else before we go? This has been a lot. And by the way, all of those links, all of those websites, everything that Nico just talked about will be in the show notes. So if you're driving, running on a treadmill or riding a bike, whatever, don't worry about it. We got you. Just go and check out the show notes and uh, we have that for you. Anything else before you go? 
Nah, thank you for for having me. It's a very interesting conversation. Uh, I, I love the fact that 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 you were very into it. Um, it's, not, <laughs> it's not the same with everybody. Let me tell you, uh, yeah. you were super interested in it, uh, and I like that because that obviously you know, it gets more and more quality content out there. So Good. appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. And uh, it is interesting. I, I I don't invite guests on that I'm not interested in what they're doing. So uh, this is very cool. And I know it's uh, going to be interesting for my listeners. So thank you for offering and sharing. I appreciate that. And uh, I wish you all the luck in 2022. Sounds like, sounds like you guys have a world domination or at least a United States domination plan that you're getting ready to execute. So all the luck in the world to you. And uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, It was fun for me. Uh, Nico has a really cool, unique strategy that might appeal to a multifamily owner. So if you're a multifamily investor and you have uh, properties that are in that range that that you know, ten to a hundred uh, units, and and you are struggling, or you just want another option to fill them and get paid every month and not have the hassles reach out. He gave you the ways to reach out. Go reach out to him and see if it makes sense for you. It's definitely a cool option either way, whether or not it's something you think you want to do or not. It's you know, I thought it was interesting and I wanted you guys to be exposed to that idea. Always trying to expand our thought process, expand our minds a little bit and uh, consider things that maybe we had not considered before. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a fun time interviewing him, but guys, no matter what, no matter what you think of this interview, no matter what you think of anything that I put in the show, The core message remains the same. You have to get out there and get started. Just start. That's the name of the show, and it's the name of the show for a reason. And it doesn't just refer to new investors. If you're an experienced investor, you've been doing this a while, and you've done a lot of deals, but you know there's something you need to change. You know you want to take it to the next level. You know you don't want to start hiring. You want to start building a team. You want to get more profitable. You want to start tracking your numbers. Whatever it is that you haven't done yet in your business that you know you need to do, just start. Get it going. One foot in front of the other. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just get the process going. Start implementing those things that you know you need to implement and watch your business prosper. All right, guys. Until next time, get out there and get started.